This week we've got Alyssa, at Alyssa on Twitter and Periscope. She's a bodybuilding, powerlifting, science-based dieting guru who, along with her partner, runs a business to help others lose weight and take control of their diets. But that's not all. Alyssa is also an MA in English literature, and she uses her academic background to teach college-level composition classes in the San Francisco Bay Area. And if that's not enough already, she also talks about fitness and feminism in her Periscope channel. Without further ado, let's get right to the interview. Alyssa, I'd like to welcome you to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Sean. I'm so excited to be here. So I originally ran into you actually on Periscope and probably not tons of our listeners even really know what that is. Right. It's like a live stream, but I'm the only person whose voice is being streamed, but people are allowed to comment and then I can respond to them and it kind of shows up at the bottom of the screen as I'm live streaming. Yeah, and I found actually that when it comes to actually talking about things on on a media where people listen, you a lot of people get, you know, more out of that than just reading uh, a blog for instance, like it doesn't pop as much on a blog. Yeah, that or I mean to be honest, a podcast, right? Because even with this podcast, it's you and I talking, but there's not that immediate interaction and and commenting from listeners, right? You can have people that listen and then comment in hindsight, right, afterwards. But what's so interesting about Periscope is that live feature. It's that live feedback from other people. It's it's really cool. Um, tell me a little bit about yourself, Alyssa. Really, what I can see, there's like kind of two sides to this, two main sides. You've got fitness and eating, but then you have like education and intellectual. So you kind of got like body and soul going on, right? Yeah, that's an interesting way of putting it. You know, I, for example, last night I just started teaching a new semester. And when I introduce myself to my students, those are the two things that I talk about. You know, the fact that I'm extremely interested in education, that I've been in school my entire life for the most part, I've never left. Um, And then that there's also this kind of fitness aspect of my life. There's this passion that is, like you said, physical, body. Um, But I think up until, I mean, the past couple of years, I didn't realize how interconnected those things are. Yeah, there are two sides of me, but I think that my sort of pedagogy when it comes to education and teaching is in many ways similar to my style of fitness or similar to, for example, um, as a coach, right? Um, because I, I have clients, nutrition clients, and my partner and I, we, we run a, a business together where we do nutrition and programming. And I have a very holistic way of approaching my clients' physical fitness. You know, we focus on mental health just as much as we focus on physical health. We focus on self-education and self-love um, in the same ways that we focus on, you know, their physical fitness. So I think that they're my teaching and my education very much overlaps with my philosophy in fitness and in physical fitness. So you teach fitness, but also diet and eating as well, right? Right. Yeah. I run, you know, I, I started an Instagram account several years ago um, under the the username Alyssa, and um, I kind of documented my progress of my weight loss. And 
my account's grown. Um, it's quite large. Uh, and well, I mean, there's like 56,000 followers or something now. Um, and I've documented every process of fitness that I've gone through from, you know, losing weight to gaining weight to competing in bikini competitions to uh, transitioning into powerlifting, which is what I've been doing for the past couple years. Um, and yeah, I, I run a company called Oh It Fits and I have nutrition clients, very, very few, um, very select group of girls that I spend lots of time with. They become my best friends. Actually, right before we started <laughs> this interview, I have been texting my clients, told them what I was doing, told them I needed an hour um, so that I could <laughs> talk to my friend Sean, you know, um, and they get it. They're fantastic. They're wonderful. They're my best friends. And um Again, that's how I that's how I see my clients, not just as names on a page, but rather as individuals and people that I want to become close with. And that's how I see my students too, I guess. What brought you to that point where you were like, "Yes, this is what I want to do. I want to make this trip. I want to, you know, um, work on my body to to make it, you know, I guess more appealing or 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 how, what have you, like goals physically." Yeah, that's an interesting question because I think. Um, Unfortunately, my journey to—I mean, my at least my initial step towards physical fitness was not one out of love. It was one out of self-loathing. Um, I came to physical fitness because I actually hated my body. I wanted to punish my body. I was overweight um, to an extent. I'm—I'm a five ten female. I'm long limbed. I'm tall, but I was around 175 pounds. Um, I gained quite a bit of weight throughout the course of time, being in college, of course, and um, eating really poorly and just, um, I mean, various things, being in terrible relationships and, and, you know, eating my feelings. You know, I think a lot of girls have similar stories where they go through phases of self-deprecation and self-loathing. And um, so... I basically came to fitness um, by making a decision to lose weight because I hated my body. I thought that I was ugly, despised myself, wanted to lose weight. Um, so unfortunately, though I did lose weight rather rapidly through eating you know, 1,400 calories a day and burning 1,000 calories worth of cardio every day for six days a week, um, it was dangerous. You know, but I did lose very rapidly. I lost 25, 30 pounds very quickly. Um, and then eventually, you know, got down to when I was, cause I, I moved from that weight loss into prepping for a bikini competition. And in exactly nine months, I had gone from 175 pounds to 129 pounds. Um, in, you know, <laughs> so that's how many pounds is that? I, I can't do math. Uh, is that 36 pounds? Yeah. Like 40 something pounds, like something like that. Yeah. yeah. Like, well, and then by the time I was stage lean, yeah, so I was about 40 pounds of weight loss. Um, so 40 pounds off of 510 frame. Um, yeah. And what's interesting is that, you know, I lose all this weight. It took nine months for me to do that when I stepped on stage and I still hated myself. I, I don't know. Like I was trying to frame my question to you in a way where I was trying to say that maybe, you know, people lose weight but are they really are they really trying to shape their body for themselves like for their own happiness or are they are they somehow is there other things at play you know right 
You know, and it's I I'm not going to say that my um, experience is a singular experience, but I don't think it's everyone's experience. I think that a lot of people come to weight loss um, for wonderful reasons and that they have good critical thinking. So I guess that's what I'm moving towards is um, my love for myself and I have lots of self-love now. My, my life is very different now years later. Um, the reason why I've come to love myself now is because I realized that physical fitness was not just a physical thing but it very much was an intellectual thing. It became a mental journey just as much as it was a physical journey and once I started to deconstruct why I wanted to lose weight instead of just saying I want to lose weight. Once I started questioning why I wanted that so badly and what society does to enforce that kind of behavior on me, especially as a female, um, and why I felt as though my body had no worth in the first place. Once I started to deconstruct those things and challenge those things and really sit there and, and, and learn about myself you know, spiritually, that's when things started to change. And that's when I started to really see my body in a totally different way. You know, there's this beautiful quote and it says something along the lines of that, you know, your body has been waiting its whole entire life for you to be friends with it, right? Um, you are taught to hate your body, especially as a woman, for a lot of your life. And once I started to see my body as a friend, and once I started to love my body and, and, and love it for no reason, love it, for, love it unabashedly, um, my life changed completely. Can you tell me a little bit, because I know that we, we've done a little work with the, with the uh, physical here, but there's also intellectual as well. And I know that we just spoke about the overlap a bit. In addition to being a personal coach, you're also, you also teach as well. Uh, you teach right. courses. Um, what exactly are you teaching? So I teach at the university level. Uh, I am a you know an adjunct instructor. I got my master's degree in English literature with a focus in critical theory, and um, my main research interests are in um, gender and sexuality and race. Um, so currently, currently I teach composition courses. It's actually my passion. I love teaching first year composition. I love getting students right when they're 18, 19, freshmen in, uh, you know, in college. Um, I love bursting their bubble <laughs> and welcoming them, welcoming them into an academic space that is very different from high school. Um, I challenge them to think critically. So my courses are about you know, first year composition, about English and, and writing and rhetoric and things like that. But I always theme my courses around something that's relevant to their lives. Um, in the past, I've done courses themed around um, gender and privilege. This current semester, I'm teaching courses. One course is all uh, focused around technology and social media. And the other course is themed around TV, film, and radio. Uh, so actually, in that course, one of their essays is um, an analysis of a podcast episode. So perhaps they can choose this podcast to analyze. <laughs> I'm starting to quake even thinking about it. <laughs> so, so it sounds like you're, you're kind of working this idea of, well, at least prior to this, uh, gender equality and also, you know, media, how things are portrayed um, 
and uh, how things are packaged up maybe for, for consumption. And also with composition, I'm just thinking that also teaches a form of criticism because you're you're actually you have to deconstruct something in order to build it back up and make it coherent right yeah i think that's i think it's interesting because you sort of just did that in a very meta way you know you you deconstructed (laughs) i was about to say just like i was attempting to do (laughs) yeah that's a very meta moment right there um yes so i mean again I think and this very much overlaps with fitness, right? I think many times students look at their writing or they say that they hate English courses because they think that their writing has to look a certain way. This is what academic English looks like. And I tell them to F that box, you know, I'm like, get out of that. I want to see your voice on the page. I recently wrote a letter of recommendation for probably the best student I've ever taught. and. I wrote her this beautiful letter of recommendation. And the reason why I was able to is because something she does is that she imbues the lines of text with herself. She is in those words, and it is so clear and so apparent. But that only happens once you deconstruct what writing is in the first place, right? So she's a very, very good critical thinker, which makes her a better writer. And I think this very much applies to fitness because I think if you are going to be good at fitness, if you're going to be a good coach or if you're going to be a good athlete, you need to be able to think critically about your position. You need to be able to think critically about you know the places that you are in, right? Your decisions don't exist in a vacuum. Um, you know, I didn't just randomly decide to lose weight. I decided to lose weight because society taught me that my body was not worthy right? And once I kind of remembered that, or well, I mean, I guess I'd always known it, but once I kind of deconstructed it and accepted that, I realized that I had power over those decisions. That doesn't mean that society is going to stop and, you know, projecting those kinds of standards onto young men and women. But if you can recognize the ways in which society tries to manipulate you, you can take power over those things. And the same thing happens in writing. Right. I think a lot of students feel as though this is what academic English looks like and they're afraid. And so I teach them, here's how you deconstruct writing. And then they realize that they have power over it and that they have power over what they write. And that's, I mean, of course, very empowering. So again, I think there's this huge overlap. How do you become an empowered person? You deconstruct the spaces that you're in so that you can take power back for yourself. So that's that's what's really interesting to me, I think. That's interesting because I, I find that um, deconstructing, I mean, deconstructing and reconstructing, these are these are sort of big sounding words, but right. in a sense, um, and, and I don't know if, if you feel the same, um, they're big words, but, you know, you don't need to, the, the ultimate goal of writing, for me at least, is to be able to properly express um, a, a point or who you are or even an emotion or, or an idea. And um, I find that in academic settings, because um, I, I, I was I had a degree in, in classics. I have a degree in classics. Um, in academic settings, it's all too easy for people to fall underneath the jargon and then all of a sudden like, um, people are trying to just sort of learn 
I don't know, like the magical incantations to put on a page, you know, like what, you know, here's the the magical words that you need to use rather than just saying, oh, no, you know, fuck it. I, I'm going to, here's an idea that I have. I'm going to express it in an, in, in an economical way, in a way that, that it goes through the page and, and is understood. Right. Well, because I think you're so right that, Writing is scary for people because they are afraid that they're not going to put the right thing on the page, right? But then once you realize there is no right thing to put on the page, then you take power back, right? In the same sense that, like, why do people have, like, you know, why do people hate their bodies? Because they're like, well, my body doesn't look like the ideal. But then once you realize there is no ideal and someone trying to tell you there's an ideal is full of shit... You know, then you're like, oh, my God, I can be who I want to be and I can love me regardless of whatever some arbitrary ideal is. Right. These things are very, very comparable. Um, We fear standards and ideals and things that we measure ourselves up to that don't even exist in the first place. And so that's what Jacques Derrida is talking about when he uses this term deconstruction, when he's talking about deconstruction. He's saying Nothing exists outside the text. Like, none of what you think exists in the concrete is concrete. It's just abstract. So let it go and, and, and recognize that, I mean, <laughs> there's nothing that exists in a vacuum that is ideal, you know. Um, you can create what you want to create. So let's, let's bring it back down a bit because we got pretty high up there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm just, uh, I know that you do, back to the fitness, I know that you do macros. Like I, I go to, I, I'm, I'm watching your Periscope. I also take a look at your uh, Instagram as well. And you're, you're weighing your food. You're, you're doing something very scientific there. You're, you're actually um, analyzing what goes into your body machine versus what goes out of the body machine and when you're exercising, et cetera. So can you tell me what is um, like IIFYM? That's something that I saw in the literature. Like what are, what are macros? What's, what is all that stuff? Yeah. So um, if it fits your macros, uh, abbreviated IIFYM is the scientific notion backed by science that you know there are three major macronutrients protein carbohydrates and fats there's a fourth right it's alcohol but um and that when you consume food you are consuming food in varying levels of these macronutrients um each of them equates to a certain caloric level so carbs and protein are each worth 4 calories per gram and pro or sorry fats are 9 calories per gram so you eat, you know, a certain number of calories a day and those calories are broken down into various macronutrients that are right for your body. There are different ratios that are appropriate for certain people. Um, every body is so different. You know, there are uh, ketosis diets which are very high in fat, low in carbohydrates. Um, there are diets like mine where I have rather high carbohydrates, moderate protein, and low fat, um, and everything in between, you know, um, but it's about what works properly for your body. The philosophy is, though, that 
there is no such thing as healthy food or unhealthy food. Um, there's no such thing as, you know, these dangerous, toxic chemicals, whatever. Everything is made of chemicals. Exactly. And sci the science, <laughs> right, right, right. The science supports this, right? Like the notion is that, of course, there are foods that are highly, you know, much more micronutrient dense. And by micronutrients, I mean, you know, mineral minerals and vitamins. But if it fits your macros is the philosophy that if it fits into your daily allotted macros that are right for your body, again, everyone has different macros that are right for their body, then if you eat in a deficit of calories, you will lose weight. If you eat in a surplus of calories, you will gain weight. Um, so that's why recently there's this picture that's been going around. It says the only tool you need to lose weight is a food scale. Right, you weigh out your food, and I mean it's much more complicated, I think, than what I'm making it right now. But it takes a while for people to, you know, get over this fear of again these ideals. This food is healthy. This food is unhealthy. You know, it's like it, that's it's not that simple, right? How many calories does that food have? Yes, avocados are extremely healthy foods, micronutrient wise, but they're also really high in calories. They're very right? fatty, aren't they? They're, yeah, they're full of fat, and it's for someone like me who doesn't, like my body does not metabolize fats well, I can't sit there and eat a bunch of avocados just because they're healthy. I'm not going to lose weight, right, if I eat, you know, 1,900 calories worth of avocados. Like I'm just, you know, so it's, it's about determining what macronutrient levels work best for your body in particular. And yeah, and this, this also makes allowances for different people. I mean, I, I, it seems like, I can eat whatever and, 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 and I will get bigger. Like I need to really use that. Um, I think it was, um, an SNL skit where they were like, how do I lose weight? Do I take a pill? How do I do that? And, and then they're like, it's simple, move more, eat less, you know, and they're like, wait a minute, that's too hard. And in a way, I mean, yes, <laughs> that's a very reductive way of looking about looking at weight loss, but it's true, right? Like the idea is that if you, you know, eat less calories than you burn, then yes, you will lose weight, right? Everyone has what we call a, a TDEE. It's a total daily energy expenditure level. And there's lots of formulas online so that you can find yours. So my, it's it for short, TDE is your maintenance. You know, what would you, what amount of calories would you have to eat every single day that you would not lose weight, but you'd also not gain weight? So you figure out what your maintenance is and then you'd say subtract around 300 calories from that and that would be your deficit. And then you'd split that deficit calories up into the different macronutrients and that's what you eat and you will lose weight. <laughs> like it is really not that hard, but you have to be diligent. Yeah. And the thing is that I guess the trick is, well, first of all, what I was going to get at there is that um, I, whereas I'm like that, my wife, because of the way her body seems to be put together, she can, she has more leeway, I guess is the right term. Like it seems like her, her, her caloric, her energy expenditure is so much higher. Uh, That's that called your metabolism. Her metabolism is so much higher that she can just go ahead and eat and eat. Uh, mind you, she doesn't eat. She she likes sugary things. She eats those sorts of things, and she doesn't gain as much weight. She doesn't put on fat hardly at all. But what I was going to get at with the with the what you were saying there is that it's not even 
controversial because, I mean, let's say you want to send, NASA wants to send a bunch of people to Mars. They're going to run those same sorts of formulas. I mean, are they not? They're going to be like, we need to make sure that these people keep a certain weight, you know, that they're not going to starve. So they yeah, have no, a certain is number science. of ca- calories. <laughs> this is not like some like magical snake oil, like like the uh, <laughs> like the it works wraps or the um, you know the weight loss pills or the Advocare, like whatever. Right? This is science. This is backed by science. Like these are the formulas. These are the numbers. It's like I don't know. I think that again, this comes back to critical thinking. I've actually posted about this before. The people that follow if it fits your macros, by and large are people that are educated because they're people that listen to science. They're people that, you know, recognize that like if they are diligent with math and science, then it works out. It's always the people that are not willing to, I don't know, to listen to or to think critically that are like, what food do I need to eat to lose weight? The way I got it, I actually know somebody and she said that during college, she decided that she would only eat Pop-Tarts. I know it sounds insane, but she said, I'm only going <laughs> to eat Pop-Tarts. And she lost weight, only eat Pop-Tarts. Now, she, I, I don't know what that did to her system. So let's say that someone's maintenance level is 2,000 calories a day. Let's say they decide to eat at a deficit of 1,700 calories a day. That is a deficit of 300 calories a day, which is, over the course of a week, 2,100 calories. So over the course of a month, they have been in a deficit of 8,400 calories total for a month, right? So there are 3,500 calories in a pound of fat or muscle. So if we divide 8,400 divided by 3,500, that's 2.4. They should have lost around 2.4 pounds, right, over the course of time. Um, over the course of that month, because if they're in a deficit of 8,400 calories, right? So basically, say your friend was eating all of her 1,700 calories in Pop-Tarts, she's going to lose weight because it comes down to net caloric consumption. She might get tired of those Pop-Carts too. Of course, she's going to get tired. I mean, those are not necessarily nutrient-dense micronutrients. She is likely not going to feel satiated. Um... It's probably going to negatively affect her workouts because she doesn't have these long or like slow digesting carbohydrates. Instead, she has a bunch of fast digesting carbohydrates. She's probably going to be tired and headachy. That would be my theory. Exactly. So, I mean, no one in If It Fits Your Macros is advocating that you just eat a bunch of processed foods, like what we know as processed foods, right? I would say that 80% of my meals are highly micronutrient dense. In fact, right now I'm not even really tracking macros. I'm doing something called intuitive eating because I just eat the same things I would normally eat. I don't need to like plug it into my fitness pal or a tracking application in order to know what calories I'm at for the day because I've done this for years now. Um, So I know basically what the amount of calories that I'm consuming every day. But in any case, I think your your friend is right. You know, that's where we get these like Big Mac diets and Twinkie diets. And that's why Jared from Subway um, <laughs> lost all the weight that he did. And that guy is super problematic. We don't need to get into him. Yeah, let's not talk about him. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, he lost a lot of weight just eating Subway because the, you know, amount of Subway that he ate ended up 
putting him in a caloric deficit. It's not like Subway sandwiches made him lose weight. It's the fact that he ate in a caloric deficit that put him, <laughs> like, that made him lose weight. One thing I learned when I met my wife is that she, I, I would just sit down with a, a bag of chips. I'd be like, yeah. And I just, just shovel it into my mouth. And she's like, look, dude, take the chips and put them in a bowl. Yep. In a small bowl, and then you'll you'll get an idea of how much how many chips you're eating, and that's the case. Is that uh, the same thing with plates? I notice these days that when I walk into a restaurant, they give me this enormous this enormous plate, and it's like, well, you know, maybe just even a smaller plate would help with portion control. You know what I mean? Possibly. Possibly. Alyssa, do you have any like suggestions for uh, how people can maybe eat more sensibly and, uh, you know, integrate some of these uh, philosophies into their everyday? I think that people just need to recognize that it's likely that they're eating more calories than they think that they're eating. It might be beneficial for someone to track their calories for a day, track their food consumption and see where they end up at, whether they use a tracking app like my macros or my fitness pal, or even if they just use pen and paper. I think that many people don't realize that they're oftentimes eating in a surplus of calories. So find out what your maintenance is by maybe using a TDEE calculator online. Of course, they're not always going to be 100% accurate. Uh, the only way to really see if something's accurate is you know, if you, you experiment over the course of time. But it might be beneficial for people that don't want to be so tedious about tracking macros every day. They don't want to, you know, kind of place that obligation on themselves. Maybe just to have a number in the back of their head, okay, my maintenance is around 2,100 calories a day. And see if they can meet that every day. If they want to lose some weight, see if they can eat a little bit under that every day. If they want to gain some weight, gain some muscle, then see if they can eat a little bit over that every day. Um, you know, tracking macros is not for everyone. It can very much be an obsessive, controlling, almost disordered kind of thing for certain people. But for other people, it's an amazing way of really seeing the progress that they want to see. So, yeah, I mean, portion control and um, really finding out how many calories a day you're actually consuming. That's great. So, and is there, um, I guess... If you'd want to like maybe share your, your Instagram again or any websites that you have. Sure. So I'd love if people could come and join me on my Periscope. Um, I, my username on Periscope is Alyssa. It's O-H-I-L-Y-S-S-A. And that's also my Instagram name, O-H-I-L-Y-S-S-A. Um, I run, um, a WordPress where I write a lot about, you know, the kind of overlap between fitness and critical thinking and that's, oh, it fits, O H I T F I T S dot wordpress.com. I'm always willing to open up the floor to other people and other voices and, um, yeah. Alyssa, thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thus concludes this episode of Share a Slice with Sean. 
Start music is just watching by Paddington Bear. End music is Curious by John Luke Hefferman. Both are available for download at freemusicarchive.org. Thanks for listening and tally ho.